Hi, and welcome to the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and this is the podcast that gives you a peek into the lives of the homeschoolers next door. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 30 of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and I'm so happy you're joining me here today. Well, we are going to be chatting all about homeschool blogging with my good friend Don Garrett today. And one of the reasons why we're chatting homeschool blogging with Don is because she is celebrating a blog anniversary this week. She has been blogging for 15 years. And when she told me that a couple of months ago, I knew that it would be a great thing to help her celebrate by having her on the podcast to talk a little bit about what it's been like being a homeschool blogger for all these years and how the face of homeschooling and blogging have changed a bit as she's gone on. So it was a really great interview. We dug deep into Dawn's story and how she uses blogging to build community, to sharpen herself against other homeschool moms, and also to kind of think through the process of homeschooling out loud as she's formulating her blog post. So it was a lot of fun. I think you're going to enjoy it. So we'll get on with the interview right after this message from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Plan Your Year. Now, Plan Your Year is a homeschool planning kit. It includes printable planning pages plus a guide that will help you create a unique homeschool plan that fits your unique family. Now, this guide was created by me, yours truly, And the purpose behind the kit was to walk you through step-by-step how to create a vision for your homeschool, goals for each of your students, and a plan you could use that will be tailored to your needs. Now, this works with any homeschool curriculum or any homeschool method that you choose to use. The planning kit also comes with printable planning forms that you can use in your homeschool binder. You can also type in these forms, save them, and then open them up again and edit them later. So handwritten or typed, whichever way makes you happiest, you can do both. And the forms are updated year after year. So your one-time purchase buys you lifetime access to updated planning forms. I would love for you to go check it out. You can find it at planyouryear.net. You can also go to the show notes for this episode to get access to a free printable planning pack that we'll have for you there. Some of the forms in there so you can try them out and see how helpful they are. So planyouryear.net, I would love to help you plan a homeschool year that is as unique as your family. And now on with the episode. Garrett is a mom of three who has been writing on her blog, Lady Dusk, for 15 years. She is also the author of the free ebook, I Am, I Can, I Ought, I Will, Charlotte Mason's motto explained for upper elementary students. On her blog, Dawn shares book reviews, curriculum choices, and circle time plans. But perhaps more importantly, she uses her blog to chronicle for herself her learning journey with her children. She joins us on the podcast today to celebrate a big milestone, her 15 years of blogging as a homeschooler. Don, welcome to the program. Thanks, Pam. Well, I am super excited about having you here today because you are a particular friend of mine. And let's get started by letting everyone else get to know you. Tell me some about your family. 
I've been married to Jason for 15 years. We got married in the year 2000 because we thought the math would be easy, but we got married in December. So that means that we're always off a year anyway. (laughs) And then several years later, we started having our family and we had Margaret in 2004. So she's 11. And Nate came along very swiftly in 2006 and he's 10. And Rebecca is right behind him and she's eight and a half. And we have a lot of fun together. Great. Now, how did you guys get started homeschooling? Well, frankly, we kind of both, when we were dating, we both kind of had this feeling that we wanted to homeschool. For me, it was kind of a non-negotiable. I had done a secondary ed degree and I had student taught and I had not been impressed by what I saw as a teacher. I mean, as a student, I had not loved the social aspects of school, but I always wanted to teach. And then as a teacher, I really didn't like the things that I saw where they were going. And then I had kind of determined that homeschooling was going to be a non-negotiable for me. I had friends who were homeschooling and I had seen how their family interacted and the things that they did and how interesting it was and how they were building a family culture. So that was something that I was really looking for. I was dating this new guy, Jason, and his mom was actually homeschooling his much younger brother. He's His brother is 12 years younger and she was homeschooling him for middle school and he saw all the benefits of it too. And so it was something we talked about even before we were engaged that this was a direction that we were interested in having our family go. And so we always intended to homeschool. That's great. Now, was it as easy when the time came? (laughs) Were you nervous? Even though you had decided this long ago, were you nervous about starting? No, actually, I was pushing to start. I was chomping at the bit, you might say. I, when Margaret was born, I immediately read. I mean, like when the, within the first eight weeks, I read The Well-Trained Mind. Um, <laughs> you I had it all homes- mapped out. Went to my first homeschool convention in January, maybe February, after she was born. So like within five months of when she was born. My friends were all homeschooling. I was observing them and what they did. And I was chomping at the bit. We were starting, we were ready to go. Well, I was ready to go. <laughs> Not so much the little three-month-old lying in the bassinet, maybe. <laughs> or maybe even the three-year-old. That's true. And, you know, I struggled with this problem. Well, it may or may not have been a problem for you. I struggled with this as a problem because I was so... I had been one of those kids who, at least in elementary school, not so much in high school, but in elementary school, I really loved school. And I loved doing all the worksheets and I loved you know, reading the books and just doing whatever the teacher asked me to do. And I made good grades and everything. And so I was really ready when my little girl was like three years old. And I expected her to be a student like I had been and just be super ready to get started too. And she wasn't. Did you run into that problem? I didn't really. My my three-year-old was, she's always been a little bit more mature than everybody else, probably because she had two younger siblings before she turned three. and. She was ready to start learning to read. She knew all her letters. She knew all the sounds. She was interested in words. She was speaking in paragraphs by 18 months. This was a child who was totally grasping the verbal part of her world incredibly well. I remember when she was very young, she would be babbling and you'd ask her what she said and she would say the exact same sounds. She knew that sounds made meaning and that there was a purpose for them. And so she was ready to go, but maybe not in the way that I was ready to go. Mm. And so? 
And so we got started. I mean, we got the big preschool calendar and we got the phonics book and we got the counting things, you know, with the straws that you like count to 10 and then you bake a bundle and you put it in the tens column and got going. And it seemed all very lovely and simple. And I was telling myself I wasn't pushing at all. But I think as I look back on it, I was. Yeah. Oh, I know I was. I mean, you know, God definitely used that period to teach me humility. (laughs) (laughs) Because I know I was pushing. I think the humility comes a little bit later for me when I see how this mental exhaustion, when you push a three-year-old and a four-year-old and a five-year-old, I mean, all my kids read when they were four, which is great. And I'm thrilled. I was an early reader. My husband was an early reader. It didn't really surprise us. But I sometimes wonder if I killed their sense of wonder, if I killed their interest in learning by pushing real hardcore academics too early. Right. And I know you've made a shift now. And it was probably, what, a couple of years ago that you made a huge shift in how you were doing things? It was actually just a year ago, last in January of 2015. We homeschool on that calendar year for our academic year. And I was burnt out. I was kind of done. We had been trying to do all the things. And when you do all the things, you don't really do anything well. And so I took a look at what we were doing. I had had a great deal of fear, of worry, of anxiety, of showing results, of showing, you know, we can do this. It's okay that we're doing this. The children will even excel because we're doing this. And so I took those things and I piled on and piled on and piled on. And I didn't do the things that I necessarily loved. So when we shifted from doing all the things to the thing that had my heart, the Charlotte Mason thing, that was relief, rest, (laughs) rest for my weary soul, my weary mind. And it has made a huge difference in our homeschool. Oh, that's awesome. And so how have the kids reacted to the change? They've reacted really well. There are some things that they miss. My oldest misses grammar. We can add some grammar back in. I think overall, though, they like the stories. They like the connections. They liked seeing their faith intermingled more before faith was kind of an add-on. We did it, we talked about it, and then that, w- that part of our school day was done, and we went on to grammar and math and history and science. And we switched to using Ambleside Online, and everything is much more integrated for us, and that has made a world of difference. And I think it has helped them to make connections in lots of ways from, you know, when we go to church on Sunday to when we're reading aloud at the dinner table to, you know, making connections between our science reading and the history reading because we're reading about some scientists. They see those connections and they see how God works in better ways. Well, that's awesome. And you know what I think I love best about your story, Dawn, is you are not a new homeschooler. You know, this just happened last year and your daughter's 11. So you had been homeschooling a good officially, you know, probably five years at this point, unofficially a little bit longer than that. And you said, oh, my joy is gone. I'm going to figure out how to bring that joy back. And you made a big change in order to do that. And it's working out wonderfully for you guys. So I like the fact that you kind of did some troubleshooting and figured out what would make you guys more peaceful as a homeschooling family and then went with it. 
it was a real struggle for me because I'm one of those people who I do a lot of things by my gut instinct. I make a lot of decisions based on what I think is right and what I, you know, I just, I grasp hold of it. And once I grasp hold of it, I'm ready to go and I'm going to go, 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 go with it. And I felt like that with the way we were doing school before, and we're going to do this all the way through. And then to have to come to the point where I am broken, our school is broken, and I cannot do this the way we've been doing it anymore was really hard for me to mentally, emotionally, spiritually deal with. But God is good and his mercies are new every morning and he has brought about a great change. Well, that's great to hear. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about this as we go on, but I wanted to give you a multiple choice question. Okay. Your homeschool day is more like which literary classic? Would it be A, The Odyssey, B, Little Women, C, Swiss Family Robinson, or D, Lord of the Flies? Well, if I'm entirely honest, at times it feels like Lord of the Flies, but I'm going to choose Swiss Family Robinson because I have three kids who are in the essentials doing all the same schoolwork, but a lot of it is done independently or in pairs and groups. And in Swiss Family Robinson, like some of the kids go off to do this part of the work of the island. And some of them stay with mom and do this part of the work on the island. And they're, they're kind of mingling around all over the place and adventuring and exploring in different ways. And yet they're all kind of exploring the same thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I've never had that answer before, but I like it. <laughs> I'm trying to think back to Swiss Family Robinson because I think I read that one in like sixth grade. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. We listened to the LibriVox recording of that on a car trip to the beach. And we live in Ohio. And so it's a long, that was car a long trip. trip. Yeah. Yeah. So it was that was one that the kids all enjoyed, I think. Yeah, I need to add that to my list because my my little one probably needs to be just a touch older. But yeah, I think that's one that they're going to like because it was a favorite of mine as well. Well, if you were walking down the aisle of the homeschool convention vendor hall, and I know you go every year. I love to go. <laughs> and you were to turn the corner and run into a younger version of yourself. What would you tell her? I would tell her, relax, calm down, don't rush in, fear not. I love this quote by Julian of Norwich. She says, all shall be well and all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. Just breathe. It's not a race. And take it easy. Yeah. We don't, like I was saying earlier, I think that we feel the need to show a lot more than we feel the need to be. And I think I've come to the place, I'm starting to come to the place. And with Paul, I should, should say not that I have obtained all of this, but I'm coming to the place where it's more important to be than it is to do. You know, you don't have to start with a three-year-old or a four-year-old or a five-year-old. Homeschooling, I think... Your podcast with Susan Weisbauer, she said homeschooling is good parenting sometimes. So I would say live together organically, read books, sing songs, say nursery rhymes, not for them to memorize, just say them over and over again. They'll memorize them. Have adventures, walk in the woods, play, cut and glue and use paints and Play-Doh and ask questions that they have to answer and let them ask their bajillion questions. And if you don't know the answer, show them how you have to look it up. And I think the biggest thing I would say is practice self-discipline, like obedience and tidiness, both their obedience and tidiness and your own, because I know that's a big struggle I have in my homeschool in my life. I would much rather sit and read a book or watch a movie or play on the internet than I would 
clean my house. Say it isn't so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we don't have that problem over here at all. (laughs) But you're exactly right. And just having that, not getting so caught up in the doing of the school and spending more time learning from the living of the life. Yeah. What's really sad is I had people who were telling me these things and I didn't believe them. So I usually... I usually start that advice with my younger friends who ask me about it. My sister, too, is she has a three-year-old and she wants to homeschool. And I tell her, I say, you know, people told me and I didn't believe them and I didn't do it and I regret it now. I don't expect that you'll listen to my advice, but this is the advice I have for you. Yeah, I think a lot of us have to come to that because I was the exact same way. Everybody told me that. And I didn't listen to the advice and felt like I should get, you know, we should get started. We should press on. And now looking back, I totally wish I had done the opposite of what I did. But I think there's just, I'm not sure what it is. There's just something in it, in us, many of us, where we have to experience it for ourselves before we can own it with the children who come after the first one, that poor first child. (laughs) Well, and mine were so close together that my first child was practically, I mean, they're 32 months apart and the first child was going, the second child was pulled right in there. And, you know, he was sitting there while we were doing whatever we were doing. He was hearing it all. It was, yeah, I have extra to repent of in that particular case. (laughs) Well, Don, if you were going to be stranded on a deserted island, what three things would you take with you to homeschool? What three things? Things. I don't know. A deserted island. I'm assuming I have no like electrical. (laughs) Yeah. I would take a Bible. I think that's kind of a given in in this day for me. I would take the scriptures. I figure I could do math with, you know, the things that we find on that island. So I'm not so worried about that. I think I would take some form of making music. Music has been really important in our homeschool. My kids started playing piano. And then in the last year, year and a half, my two older kids are also taking organ lessons. And it is really... It's really a beautiful part of our week and of our day. So I think I would have to take something, maybe even just a hymnal. We sing a lot of hymns also. So I think some means of making music and probably a hymnal to support that means. So let's see here. So that's a Bible and a hymnal. Hmm. (laughs) And I'm trying to think what we use all the time. Maybe a poetry book. I use lots of different poetry books. Mm So I would try to find a really good anthology that has lots of choices in it. I don't have any in particular in mind, but I think those are the three things. The scriptures, because they point us to God. The music, because the beauty and the rhythm fills our souls. And it's just a collection of really good, high quality music that's easily graspable. And the poetry, because it gives our minds a chance to fly in fancy. It gives us a chance to think great thoughts and consider the world. So, yeah, those are my three. Oh, great choices. Well, let's talk about a homeschool book that's been influential on you. Which one do you think has influenced you the most? Well, for a long time, it would have to be The Well-Trained Mind. I have all three editions. I understand a fourth edition is coming out. I don't know if I'll buy it or not now. I would say when people ask me now, I suggest for the children's sake, I'm not done reading it. I'm reading it very slowly with a group of friends with a Charlotte Mason reading group. 
but what I've read so far, I love. The biggest influencer on me for a Charlotte Mason direction for our schooling has been blogs. So that's, that's kind of hard for me to, to say, but I've made friendships and I've shared ideas and, you know, as iron sharpens iron in conversation through the years of these different blogs that I've read from Cindy Rollins to Brandy Vensel to even the Common Room blog. So those blogs have really influenced my thinking, maybe more than the books themselves have. Right. And for the children's sake, that's such a lovely selection. I've read it a couple of times and it's just wonderful. It is. And it has the parts of it that I've read have helped me come to that relax, breathe kind of a feeling. So that's why I would certainly say that one. Yeah. And there's a lot of depth there in that relaxation. So it's not relaxing out of not doing too much. It's relaxing out of just the overall atmosphere. And then not worrying. Yeah. The not worrying. The not worrying. Well, let's talk a little bit about blogging because we are celebrating your 15 year blogging anniversary now. I've been blogging for eight years now. And I thought that was a long time, but you're running circles around (laughs) me. Well, I did have a few years there where I didn't blog very much because, you know, I had all these babies all at once. But yeah, I started a long time ago. Yeah. So your blog actually predates your children. So it predates your homeschooling. How and why did you get started blogging? We were just married. We had just changed churches from our, you know, mainline denomination to a more conservative teaching denomination. And we were thrilled with our choice, but we still wanted to learn more. And we started reading blogs that were from that perspective. We're Reformed Christians. And we started reading blogs from that perspective. And my husband started a blog. He started to just, he wanted to practice his writing and he thought it looked like fun to practice some of the HTML coding because he's a programmer. So a month or so after he started his, I totally just said, okay, I'm just going to do it. It was totally on whim. I told you earlier, I gut instinct, that complete and total whim thing wins out. And I think my first post, I went and looked it up. I said, okie dokie, I guess I'll start one, but I don't know what I'll say. <laughs> I've put a lot of words on yes, you that have. page <laughs> in the last 15 years. Yes, you have. Now, let me ask you, was Blogger, a, I know you blog now on Blogger. Was Blogger a platform at that time? Is that where it was? It was kind of the platform. There was Zanga, I think it was called, and there was something, but Blogger was really, it was the new and fresh. It was the big thing. WordPress did not exist. That was kind of where you went. Okay. Because it was the only place to go. (laughs) Unless you had your own site. And we followed, I have followed blogs who they had their own website and they wrote their own kind of blogging code. At the time, and I had friends who exported their Blogspot, Blogger, whatever to, I don't know how it all works because I am not techie at all, which is possibly why I'm still on Blogger <laughs> after all these years. <laughs> Although everybody can find me on Blogger after all these years, so moving might not be a good idea anyway. That's true. Well, and now you wrote before you had kids and then you said, you know, you really took long stretches of time off when you had all of these little babies. I do have to ask you though, does your husband still have his blog? It's out there, but he does not still blog. He hasn't okay. blogged for years and years and years. 
No. And even when I had babies, there are some things out there from that time. I have my youngest, there's a little video of her jumping in the, you know, the jumper thing that hangs over the doorway and you put the baby in and they jump in it. And then my toddler son is going, yay, Becca, go Becca. It's the most adorable thing. I'm so glad I put it out there. But there are some pictures and there are some events even within that time, but they are few and far between. Okay. Well, what are some of your favorite things about blogging? What's motivated you to stick with it for all this time, other than the memories? Other than the memories. Well, the memories are really the big point. I really do love being able to go back and see when we did the chicken mummy. I love going back and seeing, you know, the excitement of when my youngest learned to read. And so everybody was now a reader in my house. But a lot of the things that I blog about are either reflections or they're looking forward. So I reflect on the week that has happened, the things that I have read, the things that I have done, and I see progress. Sometimes it's minuscule and sometimes it's big, but I see that we advance. And sometimes I blog about things that are coming up so that I kind of organize my thinking for the week and where we're going and kind of what I'm trying to accomplish. And that helps me too give me a good span of looking forward and backward. And I love that. I also love blogging for the community, for friendships, for that iron sharpening iron. I've read afterthoughtsblog.net for years and years and years. And I've read Simply Convivial since before it was Simply Convivial. (laughs) And I read Cindy Rollins' blog for the whole time, I think. And there are just relationships that I have with people and their families. And I've seen their children born. And I've seen the ideas that they have processed through and how they've grown and changed them. I've seen how my ideas have been processed through and grown and changed me. And it's just, I love having those relationships where we encourage and strengthen one another through the things that we write and say and think. Yeah. And you know, the community, I think we don't downplay that at all, but I love the fact that blogging for you is a part of the process of homeschooling your children. It just happens to be out there online so people can see it. It is. I I want to, when I'm thinking through, you know, the things that I have done, we did in this past school week, that helps me to know what we can do in the coming school week. Right. And then when you're thinking about the things that you want to do in the future, you know, and so let me ask you this. Did you blog through your transition to Ambleside? Did you blog through kind of the angst of all of that? I I sure did. (laughs) Like, Every day for two and a half weeks, I think I posted something about the changes that we were making. And then at the end of our first term, I wrote about how did these changes plan out? And when we finished year four, I blogged about how the changes turned out after a full year of Ambleside Online. So I referred to that series a lot. Right. And so it's just the way you process things. And I think the beauty of that is for another mom, for somebody like me, you know, later I come along and I type something into Google, you know, burnt out on classical homeschooling or something of that nature. And I end up on Lady Dusk and, you know, I'm in those posts and I can read, hey, this was somebody else who was burnt out on classical homeschooling. And this was what she did to change it. And it might have an impact on me. I mean, it's totally happened to me before. So I think that 
those two, the processing that you do for your homeschooling and then the community that comes out of it is they're interrelated. And yeah, that's one of the things I do just love about blogging. The people that I've met, I met you through blogging. Mm -hmm. I've met, I've met Sarah McKenzie through blogging. I met, you know, I met in my first part of blogging where it was mostly like theological, like figuring out what this reformed thing means. I met several of those people and we're Facebook friends to this day. And I still, you know, comment on things that they do and they still comment on things that I do. And I mean, this is 15 years ago. Some of them were high schoolers and now they have children and, and jobs and, right. and things now. And so I've seen them become adults and they're still my friends. That's a really cool thing. Yeah. I think one of the things that the internet does blogging, you know, now it tends to be I think more of a social media thing, which there's a debate, you know, it's that it allows us to connect with more people. I'm not sure that that's necessarily a good thing, (laughs) because I think that the connections that came from blogging, as it was maybe five or six years ago, were deeper connections. But what I have found about the Internet was that it really it allowed me to meet people who were like me who didn't necessarily live near me. Yeah, some of my some of the people that I run to when I have trauma, when there are dra- when there's drama in my life, are people that I met blogging and now we're on Voxer and I call out to them, hey, this happened to me and my world is crashing down. Mm. Pray for me. And they live in Alabama and California and Washington State. And, you know, they live all over and it's not like they're next door. Just knowing that they understand and will help me fix it, help me think through how to fix it and encourage me that the world will not end over this. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's a great way to build community, most definitely. Well, I know blogging has changed some, but (laughs) and I do want to point out you are one of those bloggers who you still blog for the love of blogging and for community. You know, I was one of those bloggers who kind of took my blog in a little bit of a different direction. And honestly, I don't even consider myself much of a blogger anymore. Quite frankly, I'm more of a podcaster now. Yes, the Pam Parton Health Podcast Network. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But you're one of those bloggers who really, honestly, you've never made a cent off your blog. You're blogging for the love of the community and for your own personal record keeping of your homeschooling. What do you think, though? What role do you think blogging and the Internet in general play in the homeschool community today? That's an interesting question. I think that... A lot of times it helps to get the word out. You know, there's a new product, there's a new idea, there is a new, those 3D pens were recently out and I saw them kind of everywhere. I think those things are great. I think it's a wonderful way to encourage one another and to give others ideas of things that you can do in your homeschool. Learning isn't only those hardcore academic things. Learning happens from the time you get up in the morning till the time you go to bed. And you're either learning good things or you're learning bad things. And so you might as well learn about other ways to learn, other exciting ideas. And I think that blogging and the blogging community often help to spread those ideas really far and wide. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Do you think that homeschool blogging has been a positive influence on this generation of homeschool moms? I think like anything, it can be positive or negative, and it depends on where you're reading and what you're doing. 
I think there are a lot of homeschool blogs out there where they share the good along with the bad. I try to do that. I certainly try to make it obvious that we are not perfect. I am not perfect. I yell and I get angry and I throw temper tantrums and my children yell and get angry and they throw temper tantrums. But I try not to be too specific about who or over what those things happen. But I try to show that homeschooling isn't this, you know, beautiful, ideal fantasy that a lot of us built up in our minds. Everybody's going to love learning. Everybody's going to snuggle on the couch. Everybody's going to just, oh, they're going to seek this and this and this and this. And it's just going to be always beautiful and perfect. That's not necessarily the case. And I think that a lot of homeschool blogs really make a lot of effort to actually teach about why we teach in a certain way, teach about ideas, concepts. So I think that is all fantastic. I think the problem comes when you have the everything is perfect kind of sense or feeling on a blog. That would be one I wouldn't follow. And there aren't perfect people. There was one perfect person. He died and rose again and is in heaven at the right hand of God the Father. And so if you're going to try and tell me that you're perfect, you are not the person I need to follow. That's kind of my rule of life. There are no perfect people. So don't tell me that you are. Right. And I think that's the thing that can be kind of demoralizing for a lot of homeschool moms to feel like they're not going to measure up to what they're reading online. Especially when they're in the middle of it and it's not going well. Yeah, it's hard. And, and they're burnt out and their kids are burnt out and their kids don't love learning and their kids aren't doing this at this certain age. I think we get caught in that comparison trap so quickly. Comparison's a thief of joy. And we have to learn to be content with where God has us, with where our homeschool has us. Not content so that we don't continue working or that we don't try to improve, but content in knowing that all will be well and that we continue to strive. Yeah, I think so too. Well, quickly, you've been blogging since before you started homeschooling. Do you think you'll keep going after you finish? Oh, I kind of do. I kind of love blogging. I love the community. I love, I think best with my fingers on a keyboard. And so if I don't have a post that I'm working on, I'm not probably thinking very well because I am forced to organize my thoughts and rearrange paragraphs and think through the logic of it more carefully when I'm typing and I type faster than I handwrite. And I can move things around easier when I type. So I think I probably will. The last couple of years, I've done series on a word of the year where I have a concept that I'm thinking about for the whole year long. And I write about what I've learned about that concept in each month. And that has been so helpful for me to just have, have that goal to think about something, some sort of improvement that I'm going to do. This year, I'm working on the word attend with an exclamation point because it's in the imperative. I need to attend, pay attention, look at, be with, serve. Those are some of the ideas that I'm thinking about this year. And I, and I love doing that. I don't really foresee stopping blogging. No, I did at one time. I don't now. Well, we have many, many more years of Lady Desk to attend to, <laughs> to read and to enjoy. Well, I have a pop quiz for you. Are you ready? I think so. Coffee or tea? Coffee in the morning, tea in the afternoon. A little bit country or a little bit rock and roll? Oh, rock and roll. Well-trained mind or unschoolers anonymous? Oh, that's so hard. Well-trained mind because it's classical. 
early bird or night owl? I want to be an early bird, so I'm working on it. Craft or read aloud? Oh, <laughs> read aloud. Lap book or workbook? Read aloud. <laughs> <laughs> a narration? Co-op or stay home? Home. Bed made or unmade? Um, at the moment, it's unmade. I'm working on the made part. I was doing really well and then I got sick. So. Oh, bookmark or dog ear? Yeah, whatever. The envelope. <laughs> <laughs> Sonnet or haiku? Sonnet. Thank you, Dawn. Tell everybody where they can find you online. Thank you, Pam. This was a lot of fun. I am at ladydusk.blogspot.com. That's where I blog. And probably my favorite other social media is on Instagram. And I'm at ladydusk there as well. That's just so much fun. Yeah, Instagram is a lot of fun. Well, 15 years at ladydusk.blogspot.com. And here's to another 15. Thanks, Pam. And there you have it, episode 30 of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. If you would like more information about the books and resources that Dawn and I spoke about today, you can find them online at edsnapshots.com forward slash 30. We'll have all the goodies over there for you in the show notes, including a link so you can download your very own planning mini kit that I talked about earlier of those homeschool planning forms that'll help you get started creating your unique homeschool plan for your family. And we'll be back again in a couple of weeks with another great interview. I look forward to seeing you then and you guys have an awesome day. Until then, keep on homeschooling.